You are listening to the Voices of Riverview, a podcast celebrating the life and times of New Brunswick's largest town as it celebrates 50 years. I'm your host, Tosh Taylor, a longtime Riverview admirer interested in learning more. On today's episode, we're chatting with Daniel DeLong. Daniel is a member of the Friends of Mill Creek. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. My first question before we dive into the history, why did you get involved? <laughs> that's that's a big question. Yeah. I, I suppose it really goes back to 2011 when I was in high school. I was in my grade 12 year at Riverview High. And I took an environmental science class um, at the time. And the teacher, Pamela Favler, she was really passionate about getting students involved in community-based projects and initiatives. So just beyond, you know, beyond just the classroom. And so uh, one of the projects that she was keen on at the time was looking at Mill Creek, which was this undeveloped area uh, in the town. And, you know, what opportunities could there be for nature conservation and potentially a nature park? And behind the scenes, she had been coordinating with a few different organizations looking for opportunities for student projects. Uh, One of them was Moncton's Urban Planning Commission. And so they at the time were responsible for the tri-communities of, you know, Riverview, Moncton and Dieppe and and their urban planning services. And so they at the time were were pretty heavily, you know, involved in in looking at opportunities for, you know, the Mill Creek area, Um, subdivisions, Carriage Hill, Harmony Estates were starting to encroach on it. Mm -hmm. There are future development plans up in that area. And so, you know, what are we ultimately going to do with this site? And so they threw the idea back at, you know, Pamela, um, you know, get your students to maybe, you know, develop a proposal for a nature park there. Um, just as, you know, a, a project to engage the students and it was because it was something on their mind. And so we had a list of different options for, for projects that we could select as a final assignment for the class. And I decided to choose the one for Mill Creek. And we did a, at least a field trip or two to the site at the time. Um, obviously didn't look anything like it does today. It's just a, a dirt road off the end of Runnymede and uh, old ATV trails that will take you into the dam site. Um, we did some water testing and whatnot. It was really neat. But that was really my first kind of exposure to the site. At least, you know, in my older years, I may have visited once or twice when I was younger. Um, and since then, just, you know, in, increasingly in, engaged in it. It was it the kind of the place where all the parties happened. Right. <laughs> so when you were in your high school years, I'm sure you were thinking the same thing. Like this is where people are are going all the time to party. How are we going to turn that around and use it for everybody else? Yeah. Yeah. I know. I've heard some interesting stories there over the years. I know particularly in the 70s, you know, 80s and 90s after the, the naval base was there and people were more easily able to access the site. Um, a lot of uh, a bit of a reputation for a party spot. I've heard some interesting stories. Apparently there's a car in the reservoir. I, I don't know if I believe that one. But but in any case. Yeah. So, I mean, it did have a bit of a reputation for that for sure. Um, so my vision for the site, I mean, this was really this area of untapped potential, in my opinion, in Riverview. You know, it was largely undeveloped, you know, uh, a lot of just natural habitat in there. And, you know, a lot of existing, you know, trail systems just informally created. Um, the uh, the ski organization, you know, for the area, cross-country skiing, was actually heavily involved in the site for, for quite a while. And they maintained a, a network in there in the winter, and it was quite, you know, well-known. So there was already this reputation for the site for being, you know, outdoor um, recreation. And so when I came forward with my proposal as part of the school project, it was really, you know, how can we create this type of nature-based destination within the town of Riverview that, you know, has the amenities of a park, but is also very, you know, nature-focused and doesn't lose sight on that aspect of it. 
And so the proposal that I brought forward for this project, there was a few other students who, who did one uh, too. And the final presentation we did, um, the high school teacher there, Pamela, she invited in representatives from Moncton's Urban Planning Commission just to sit in to hear what the high school students were putting forward. And um, I, I feel very privileged that they were so keen on mine that they later invited me to uh, a town council uh, meeting to present my proposal. And, um, you know, ultimately, you know, a few years later, they ended up uh, rolling with development of a park there. And obviously, I can't take all of the credit for that. I mean, there were a lot of discussions going on behind the scenes about, you know, developing that site into, uh, you know, a park ultimately. Um, but I think that it really helped to, you know, show that the community was listening and, and engaged on that topic and helped to, to propel the project forward. Now, when you were working on your project, were you taking uh, Irishtown... I don't know if Mapleton would have been around at the time, but Centennial, uh, did you spend some time going there and deciding, like, okay, so this is what's going to work here? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Having grown up in the area, you know, I'd visited, you know, the other parks over in Moncton, as well as a lot of other, you know, Fun Day and some of the larger, mm -hmm. you know, national parks and whatnot. And so originally, you know, looking at Mill Creek, it was pretty ambitious. You know, it, it was kind of more envisioned as almost a regional park versus just a municipal park. And even in the early planning stages, you know, with friends of Mill Creek and talking about what the potential is for this park, it was very much, you know, this is the gateway to the Funday Coastal Route to, you know, Hopewell Rocks and out to Funday National Parks and all of these places. A lot of people are traveling by here. How can we bring them in and show them, you know, this amazing natural space that we have? in the town of Riverview. And, and, you know, I think a big part of, you know, why Riverview was so keen on a nature park there was that, you know, you look over to Moncton and they have, you know, three nature parks, arguably, Irishtown, Mapleton, and Centennial. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be nice for us to have one on our side that we could offer to, to residents? Absolutely. As you said, it's like, it's a big undertaking because it's a large space. How many hectares is Mill Creek that's owned by the town at the moment? Because there's quite a bit of space that's owned by developers or private around it? Yeah, so there's quite a few different parcels up there. The park right now is 133 hectares or about 330 acres. Um, actually, just earlier this year, I'm, I'm happy to say there was two additional parcels that were purchased by the town of Riverview on the east side of the park, um, you know, for future conservation. I forget how large those parcels are, but they significantly expand the protected area up there. there there's been a I mean, huge development in there, and I think that that speaks in large part to the collaboration going on between the Friends of Mill Creek Advisory Committee you know, and the town of Riverview and just engaging, you know, citizens and, and how much passion there is in the community for the park. So, I mean, yeah, the, the trails are continuing to expand, you know, one of the, the longest ones in the park, uh, which goes around the back uh, east side of, of the reservoir, which will connect the two new bridges that were put in just a couple of years ago. Uh, that one's currently being worked on and will hopefully be done by the end of this year. And that'll be one of the, the final, you know, major trails to be developed in the existing footprint of the park. Um, but yeah, it's, it's continued to, to grow. I know just in the last few years, for instance, some of the major developments have been the lookout uh, destination, which I think was completed in 2017. And that's, you know, the site overlooking the, um, the reservoir and the, and the dam. And, you know, probably the hub for really activities and events in, in the park and a major destination for people visiting. Um, the two bridges that were put in in 2021, you know, providing access across the creek to the other side of the park. The new staircase, which is absolutely, you know, phenomenal. Stunning. Which links the dam um, up to the lookout site and provides safe access there and, and you know, phenomenal views over the reservoir. So there's there's been huge um, progress and it's really been exciting to see and to be a part of that. I can imagine from, you know, what you first created in high school, can you remember, like, 
your the potential amount of trails that you even thought of putting in there in that proposal yeah i mean there there was a bit of an inkling of an idea and you know there was some existing trail footprints in there just from old you know atv trails and some of those ski trails that were maintained um, in the winter but I, I certainly couldn't have envisioned you know what it's become today and i'm, I'm you know i'm so proud and happy to have been involved in it because it's 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 pretty amazing it is pretty amazing so let's talk about the history um because there may be some people that don't realize that it started as an army base uh so the point park area uh is where the army base was and it was back up in there and that's where the dam originated from yes um so can we talk a bit about the history of of the area and what they were using it for yeah, so I guess the, the real story of, of much of Mill Creek Nature Park um, would go back to the early 1940s. And so the land there was owned by Thomas Nolan, and uh, he had actually one of the largest farms in Atlantic Canada at the time. I think he had 1,500 pigs and 200 cattle, and it was this huge, you know, uh, farmstead. And there's some really neat historical photos showing, you know, this huge, you know, building and barns down in the Point Park area from this, you know, time period. And so during this time period, you know, we're in World War II and um, the Canadian Navy was looking for, you know, a site for a new direction finding facility. And they were basically, I'm I'm not too familiar with the technology of of the time, but it was used, they used antenna arrays to intercept radio communications. And then they would then, you know, um, decipher them and they'd be able to, you know, determine the positions of of ships and kind of enemy communications and whatnot. So it was kind of like a a spy type facility, I suppose you could call it. And so they had a few of them in different places across Canada. They were looking for one uh, spot for one in southeast New Brunswick. And they settled on the area around present day Mill Creek. Uh, apparently because it's got boggy terrain and that's, you know, beneficial for transmitting, you know, radio signals. Okay. So in, in any case, so they, they negotiated, you know, with Thomas Nolan, who owned the property there at the time. And for those of you who, you know, are familiar with the park, one of the trails is named Nolan's Gully, um, which, you know, is a reference to Thomas Nolan, who once, you know, owned the land there. And in 1944, I believe it was, they completed the base and it started operation. And so it would have been on the, not the river side, but the other side of Hillsborough Road, kind of Upranamid Road. Mm-hmm. And initially it was just, you know, a few buildings, an operations center and some housing and, um, and a garage and whatnot. Uh, slowly expanded over the years. It was originally operated um, in its first few years by uh, the Women's Royal Canadian Naval Service, RENS. Um, because so many of the men were over, you know, fighting in the war effort in Europe, they wanted, you know, to, to involve more women in the war effort. And so uh, the majority of personnel in the early years were were women who operated this equipment, which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. And so back in this time, there would have been a large antenna kind of field that extended back towards just about where the current park boundary is. Um, And then moving forward a bit, the base operated through, you know, World War II and then into the Cold War years. And it was in the 1950s where the base went through a pretty significant expansion and uh, this involved a new gymnasium that they built. They built um, merry quarters for, you know, for couples who were, who were working on the base. And many of those buildings actually still exist today. So the married quarters, if you're familiar with kind of the Point Park area near, I think, the, the Petro Canada, um, there's those rows of, I, I guess, square uh, houses, and, and they're quite distinct looking. Mm-hmm. And those actually, I mean, they've been renovated over the years, but date back to that time period from the base. Um, the Coverdale Rec Center is was was that gymnasium built, you know, as part of the of the of the naval base back in uh, in the 1950s. And I so, didn't realize that. yeah, the, the Victory Life Center, which is up there as well as too, is part of it. 
And so in any case, it was in this time uh, when they were expanding the base that they were uh, that they no longer met the fire regulation because of all the new facilities. And so they needed to expand their water supply uh, for that. And so they decided to scout around in the wooded area behind the base, knowing that Mill Creek was there. And they identified a location upon the creek where they could, you know, build a dam. And so they started construction and they completed it in 1961. Uh, there's a really cool photo, which you can see on an interpretive panel in the park uh, down by the dam that speaks to some of this history. And it shows it under construction. I think it's the only picture that there is, you know, unless anybody know, yeah. knows of another one, please reach out. <laughs> Uh, and it's kind of neat. There's some naval officers visiting the dam under construction in that image. But yeah, so it was about 20 million gallon capacity when they built it. And water was piped um, from, you know, the reservoir down to, you know, the station and would have been hooked into their sprinkler system to provide that additional, you know, fire uh, fighting capacity. And that's the origin of the dam and why, you know, why we see it there today. And of course, is one of the centerpieces to the park. I have been told that in the winter that uh, they would go up and skate on on the uh, reservoir part of it on the top which i'm not sure i would trust it but now we have our snowshoers that get out there and do the artwork as well so yeah maybe that's just me yeah <laughs> actually actually it's it's really interesting so there there's this old um magazine called the the crow's nest and it was like a navy magazine that was published back in you know this time period in the 1960s and after the dam was built you know mili you know personnel who are at the base would often go up into that area and and recreate in their free time mm. Um, and there's some interesting stories in there that talk about different and they have them, you know, as operations where one of them was like Operation Blackfly, they called it. And I'm sure the Blackflies up there were pretty, you know, terrible. Yeah. Um, but it was basically just them going up and kind of cleaning up the site a bit so that they could, you know, picnic and camp up there in their free time. Mm. Um, there's another one. I'm trying to remember the name of it. I think Operation Sluice, where they built, you know, a bit of a bridge across part of the creek so that you could more easily get to the base of the dam. So even going back into this, you know, time period in the 1960s, Mill Creek was used as this recreational space for people to get out into nature and appreciate it in their free time. Interesting. Yeah, like it's almost come full circle. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Uh, now, with the park now, we'll move um, to, to modern day. You will also work very closely with the Funny Biosphere region. Sure. We, of course, have the amazing place, which is the lookout where you can overlook the reservoir that we're talking about. And it doesn't matter what time of year you go. The view is spectacular. It's <laughs> like the water is like glass and everything reflects. It's absolutely amazing. So why they would add that to the amazing places, it makes sense. But why do you think it's important to have that collaboration with the Fundy Biosphere region? I mean, the Fundy Biosphere region is, is very active, you know, in the area. They have a lot of different sites that they manage. Um, you know, they're familiar with best practices for conservation and, and for protecting this type of habitat. So I think, you know, in any type of venture, including, you know, a nature park, you know, it's really beneficial to collaborate with other professionals in the field and experts, because obviously, you know, the, the town and other people on Friends of Mill Creek, you know, not everybody has, you know, individually, you know, the expertise for, you know, best practices for, for trail building and for, for, you know, forestry and for, you know, not forestry and cutting down trees, but just, you know, proper diversity of tree species and whatnot. And so, you know, the Funday Biosphere Reserve has been really um, phenomenal to collaborate uh, with. And I think this ties into Friends of Mill Creek, you know, which I can speak to for a moment. So, you know, Mill Creek Nature Park, um, after I did my proposal, you know, a couple of years later, the town started to roll with, you know, developing the park there. And it was in 2013 that they, you know, contracted the original master plan for the park from, from trace planning and the design. 
Um, and that ultimately served as the foundation for the park that we see there today. You know, it was quite ambitious and set out a vision for development, everything from, you know, branding to the design of signage, you know, to how the park would be laid out in terms of, of trails and, you know, paid for and everything else. Um, and so it's interesting. We actually, you know, development started very initially back in 2013 with some just base, you know, trails being done. And, um, you know, this is also the 10th anniversary of the park. In many ways, we say the founding of Mill Creek was 2013. So, you know, 2023. But in any case, so it was a few years after that, that Friends of Mill Creek was established in, in 2016. I was first contacted in December of 2015 by Micah Fardy, who was at the time the economic development officer or one of them for the town of Riverview just inviting me, you know, because of my previous, you know, um, passion for the park and the site, um, if I wanted to participate on this volunteer advisory committee that the town was forming to help, you know, advise them on, you know, best practices for development of the park and the, that, that community link. And uh, I was excited to be involved. And the first meeting was in January of 2016. There was probably about 10 members there at the time. And it was um, under parks and recreation um, it was being led by uh, jerry cole who was the director of parks recreation and community relations at that time and yeah it was this really amazing way for you know the community to be able to feed back to the town you know recommendations and best practices for you know a park of this type and i think that in many ways that makes mill creek fairly unique there are a lot of other parks that have friends of organizations but i don't think there are very many that collaborate as closely with the municipality as we do and i've you know continued to be involved with the the committee through to this day and it, and it continues to exist um, so that's been then really exciting and of course you know the funday biosphere reserve is in, is involved in that there's representatives on on the committee do you find that there has i mean there must be because there are so many trails and so many trails popping up so quickly there is a demand for people to want longer trails or more options I, yeah, I mean, absolutely. There's always, you know, an interest in having, you know, more opportunities in there. I think Mill Creek does a fairly good job in offering, you know, a, quite a variety of trail systems, um, as well as a variety of different activities. You know, in, in the winter, for instance, in particular, there's cross-country skiing in there. You know, that was something that we were really passionate to maintain because of the site's history as being a destination for cross-country skiers. Um, snowshoeing, fat biking, you know, just regular, you know, hiking and dog walking and everything else. Um, but absolutely, you know, people, you know, in Riverview and beyond are passionate about the park. They want to see more opportunities available in there, um, you know, including an expansion of trail systems and, you know, further development, which, of course, is ongoing. And, you know, it's it can be a challenge at times to, you know, to always accommodate, you know, all of these activities all the time. But I think it really speaks to people's just passion for the site and, you know, keenness for these types of opportunities here in Riverview. Absolutely, because you can you can use the trail for all of those um, those different options that you're talking about. But then mm -hmm. bird watching and getting in there. There's so many people. Heather Frazier obviously is using the trail all the time for taking guided nature walks mm -hmm. um, and teaching people about the foliage and you know what's edible and what's not. Like the the amount of things that you can use this park for, and it's in town, yeah. which is such a like it's something that a lot of communities don't have the option to use which I think that we should be awfully proud of mm -hmm. there's something that comes up every winter I would say and you probably know exactly what I'm going to say uh, <laughs> when it comes to the grooming of the trails mm -hmm. and the what's uh, used for walking what's used for fat biking mm -hmm. what's used for cross-country skiing can we explain the importance of 
not stepping on a cross-country ski trail. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, and I think this speaks again to, you know, the town trying to offer so many different types of, you know, activities in the park in the winter, you know, to accommodate different user groups. Uh, but yeah, one of the challenges is, of course, you know, grooming for cross-country skiing. Um, it requires quite a bit of work. They actually have, you know, a special machine that goes out and will groom the trails, you know, after it snows um, to create that surface for the cross-country skiers. And there is a designated mapped out cross-country ski network in the park. Um, but to maintain them in optimal conditions, you, you, you know, you don't want people walking on them because it creates, you know, those, uh, you know, indentations and, and holes in the trail, which can be problematic for cross-country skiers. Um, so just trying to encourage people to walk to the side of those trails or to take, you know, other trails that are specifically designated for walkers, um, of which there are many, um, you know, of course people want to be able to hike, you know, the, the same trails that they do in the summer and, and are, you know, and sometimes there's a bit of an overlap there, which can, which can lead to some challenges. Um, so I think that's something that the town has been really, you know, trying to just, you know, teach people about, you know, why it's important to, you know, just reduce the impact on you know the cross-country ski trails and uh, proper trail etiquette and um, you know signage of course is a big piece of it because if people don't know about it then it's difficult for them to you know follow the proper rules there um, so it'll probably be you know an ongoing challenge that will be faced at the park but um, I think that for the most part they're doing the best that they can and just you know education is really the key piece. Yeah, and I think that that goes a long way. I think a lot of us uh, residents would assume that the trail is not used near as much in the winter as it is in the summer, and it might actually be the opposite. <laughs> yeah, I don't have the numbers to back that up, but uh, I would say that it gets a pretty significant amount of use um, in the winter, yeah. We, uh, on a previous episode, were chatting with Mayor Andrew LeBlanc, and he had mentioned the pandemic and how busy Mill Creek got in that time. You do have a counter. Is it still up? Or was that just a pandemic thing when you were counting how many people were using the park? Yeah, the counters, there, there's been a few counters in there over the years. They've actually been owned and managed by the Fundy Biosphere um, Reserve. So I'm not sure what the current status of it is or, or, you know, what the numbers are most recently. Okay. Yeah, it was, uh, but it's a significant amount and you'd be hard pressed at any time of day to go in there with your family. I know my daughters and I often bike it. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people I noticed are now using it um, just as a throwaway, yeah. right? To get from like, if you're work, you live in one end of town, but you work in the other end of town, instead of going all the way around, they're cutting through the park, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's another great resource because it does cut a significant amount of time to go from one side of town to the other. Yeah. And I, and I think that, you know, this also ties into just connectivity and sustainability, right? And providing these types of trail opportunities for people, you know, to to commute to work, to get to destinations, to return to home. So it's not just going to Mill Creek as a destination in and of itself, you know, and spending a few hours there hiking the trails in the park. It's using it, you know, as an opportunity, you know, to to commute through and to use those trail systems for greater connectivity, you know, within the town. And a big part, you know, in developing Mill Creek, especially as, you know, more roads and subdivisions encroach up towards the park boundary, is ensuring that there is um, connectivity uh, to nearby neighborhoods and, and, you know, amenities and whatnot and safe trail accesses and sidewalks and everything. That's a, somewhere I want to go is um, future development for the park. Mm -hmm. uh, my first question is actually, you know, the entrance that's off of Hillsborough Road down in, um, well, past Bridgedale, but uh, it's where John's Garden 
center used to be. Right. Is there any plans of developing a parking lot on that end? Not that I know of. So that trail that follows a uh, an underground like pipeline, like a surf, surf, uh, service corridor for the town. And so it isn't really, you know, that trail where it connects onto Hillsborough Road is, is outside of the park boundary. Okay. Um, and so the trail does ultimately connect up into the park. Um, but because of that, as far as I know, there's not really a plan for any type of formal, you know, parking lot in that area. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So let's talk now about um, the rec center, because the rec center will be close to the Runnymede entrance, which um, I would assume is the main entrance of Mill Creek. Yeah. Um, how do you think that uh, the two will collaborate once the 2026 hopeful opening of, of the part of the rec center happens? Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to. First of all, it's totally going to change that entrance to the park, and I think in many ways for the better. Um, the Runnymede entrance was always envisioned and has been treated as the main, you know, entrance to the park. Um, there was the new Bridgedale Boulevard that was recently, you know, built up there, which has drawn a lot more attention to it and has kind of spruced up some of that entrance. Um, but you know, the parking lot there is is still gravel and, and in need of a lot of work, and I think a lot of that is being put off until the rec center goes in there because of you know how much it's going to completely change that area, and so. You know, in addition to the, all of the amenities that are going to be provided within the rec center, you know, the swimming pool and, and track and whatnot, you know, it's also going to overlap and connect into the outdoor recreational t opportunities in the park. And I think that those are really going to to complement one another to provide that, um, you know, connectivity between those two different, you know, facilities. And, and the recreation center will very much be, you know, within the park and a part of Mill Creek Nature Park. And it's going to come with, a, you know, a huge new parking lot to provide, you know, more parking, you know, amenities for people visiting Mill Creek, um, you know, a new trail access and I'm sure some type of, you know, larger gateway entrance into the park as well. Um, so, you know, hopefully 2026, you know, I'm excited as just as much as everybody else is, but uh, I think it'll be a huge um, addition to, to Mill Creek and to the town and, and it will ultimately to be to everyone's benefit. I agree. Yeah, and, and it may open eyes to a lot of people what Mill Creek is and how much it has to offer as well, because so many people that might not be on their agenda or, you know, they're they're just having their children and just starting their families and, and realizing, um, you know, if they're going there for swimming lessons or whatever may happen in the future, that would be an amazing surprise. Yeah, no, it is a really biodiverse, you know, habitat, you know, w within the town of Riverview and given its size, um, there are quite a few different species you'd find in there. It always surprises me every time I'm in, you know, how many different types of birds there are and, you know, in different plant communities and whatnot. Uh, early on, you know, shortly after the park was first established, there were several bioblitzes that were done. And a bioblitz is essentially, you know, a, a community science-driven initiative where people are invited out for a day and just can, can wander around and identify as many species within the park um, as they can. And usually you invite, you know, some experts out and it's kind of a, a collaborative affair and, and a fun opportunity uh, for people to learn. And I remember in one of those sessions, there was this uh, botanist who came and he just kind of went off and did his own rogue thing for the day. But at the end, he, he submitted a, a spreadsheet of everything he identified. And I, I think there were, you know, over 300 different plant species that he identified within the park within just a few hours. And he um, suggested that would probably represent about half you know, of the plant diversity in Mill Creek. Wow. And that's not even speaking to all of, you know, the different wildlife um, that, that you'd see in there. So yeah, it, it is a really neat space and, and there is a lot of, you know, ecological diversity in there. I would like to know more about the Friends 
and how people can join it and how you stay operational. Uh, because I assume you must run on donations. No, actually. So Friends of Mill Creek, it's entirely just a volunteer okay. advisory committee. It works, you know, within the town of Riverview under the Parks and, and Recreation Department. And so we don't have any, you know, funds ourselves. Okay. We're just volunteers. We meet every, you know, couple of months. And, and really, you know, we will bring proposals and suggestions forward to the town, you know, through representatives on the committee, you know, from, you know, Parks and Recreation. And, you know, if they decide to run with them, then it would be through just the regular municipal budget for the park. So we don't have, you know, any funds ourselves. Um, so if someone wanted to be a member, yeah. um, are you often looking for members? Do you have a set amount of people on the board? Because, you know, advisory committees can get pretty bogged down sure. as well as there's if there's too many people. Is that something that you leave open? Yeah, so as of right now, um, I think the capacity for the committee is around 14. Um, I don't remember offhand how many are currently on it. Um, but for any type of, you know, municipal volunteer organization, uh, people can just apply uh, on the Town of Riverview website. They actually have a form specifically for, um, you know, these types of committees. Um, and, and on there, there's a checklist of the different, you know, ones available, and one of them is Friends of Mill Creek. So if anybody's interested in becoming involved or learning more about it, I'd recommend checking on the Town of Riverview website. Mm -hmm. I know that there's uh, an acquaintance of mine that got involved because of the fat biking. Yeah. And I'm sure that there's people that get involved because of the hiking, people that get involved because of the foliage and, and things like that. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter what brings you in yeah. as long as, you know, Mill Creek steals your heart and you want to make sure that it keeps doing that for years to come. Yeah. And I mean, one thing that's amazing about the committee and is that, you know, the purpose of these types of committees is that there's people with so many different areas of expertise and interest, right? And it's really this collaborative affair and we're all pooling together you know our knowledge to to try and you know create the best park that we can and, and to advise the town and provide you know helpful recommendations and so you know we have people with trail building experience and we have people with an education background and we have people you know with an engineering you know experience and we have people you know with um, conservation and kind of nature and people you know with business backgrounds so really a whole bunch of different um, areas uh, of interest coming into this group and it's also worth noting too I mean involving yourself directly with friends of Mill Creek you know is, is an amazing opportunity but there's many other types of you know volunteering um, opportunities for people interested in engaging in Mill Creek I know one of them for example that's going on is being led by um, the town of Riverview uh, is there trail miners I don't know if you've heard of that but it's uh, I forget the details. I'm sure it can be found on the town's website or social media, but people can come out and help with building single track trail. And so it's kind of a workshop where volunteers can come out and, and learn about trail building and help to, to develop some of that within Mill Creek. Excellent. What a great place to start. Yeah. Yeah. Get Literally get your hands dirty and be a part of, of building history. Yeah. And all the tools and everything are provided. So you just come out and, and you get to, you know, build some of those skills will also contribute to, you know, to building the park. Do the Friends of Mill Creek have any social media awareness that people could follow along? A little bit. So we do have the Mill Creek Facebook page, the, the official one for the park. And that is, you know, managed uh, by Friends of Mill Creek. Uh, aside from that, you know, all of our information is, is through the town because for the large part, we do you know, operate, you know, under the municipality. Daniel, thank you for your time today. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me.